That's who I am. <laughs> that, wrote away the Andrea. I mean, there's lots of alter egos, everybody. If I you do. Chat, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk, what are we going to talk about tonight? Latest rumors around Major League Baseball. Maybe some discussions about some players who are still owed some big money for a lot of years. That'll be intertwined with everything else. And speaking of players with lots of money left on their deal, that's Robinson Cano. And you say Seattle isn't tearing it down. I say Seattle is starting to tear it down, and not because they traded James Paxton. Just in general, I think that they actually have to do it. I know you disagree. So before we even get into Diaz and Cano and all that, why should Seattle not be tearing it down? Well, I just don't see – like if your reasoning is because Felix Hernandez is not that good and they traded away Paxton, I mean those two things to me do not – say at all that it's a tear down and I know that management's come out and they've kind of give like they actually have given like counter you know contradicting accounts of what's going on with the team so I think that they've actually second guessed it now the the Mariners have a lot of money to spend they have Felix Hernandez and they're you know he's on his last year of his contract and then they have that nasty contract with Cano but other than that they're like not hardly spending any money now think about I just feel like if I added to their rotation, a couple of middle-tier starters, and maybe one good one. They can afford to replace Nelly Cruz. They can afford to replace these players. They can afford to get an, an all-star. We need, like, one good, really good hitter. But I think that – Well, you, but even if they had that and they did have that with Nelson Cruz up until now, this moment, they mm-hmm. were still – the problem with the Mariners is that they've just been consistently mediocre. Mm-hmm. all the time. They don't have one of those like 55, 60 win years like we saw with the Astros and the Cubs when they were doing their rebuild. And we don't see them win 90 games and make the playoffs either. You know it, I know it, lots of people know it. They haven't made the playoffs the longest drought in the four major professional sports. Fine, and that's fine. It's never going to fully rebuild <laughs> unless you have a couple bad seasons and build through the farm system, build through the draft. They're, medi- they're continuing to finish in a, a mediocre spot every year and it's just not going to get it done. And I don't agree. Fast. I just don't agree. I mean, look at Marco Gonzalez. He he may not be, he's not as good as Paxton by any means, by any stretch of the means, but he doesn't uh, allow very many home runs. He gets ground balls. He's in Mariners Safeco Field. That pitcher's park is good for that. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh is going to continue growth. Malik Smith is going to continue growing. Ben Gamble could continue to grow. But the big deal is like Kyle Seeger, Gene Segura. These guys are all on really low contracts, and they're owned for the next several years. So I, is there a possibility that you could rebuild while you're not completely tanking? I mean, I just don't see them – First of all, I know that they would try to give Cano away. I would try to give Cano away. Anybody would try to give Cano away. This guy has – you look at the contracts in Major League Baseball, this guy's number three. He's not even going to get done being paid until he's like 40-something years old. He's getting paid $25 million a year. He's got a full no-trade clause. Your buddy um, Ellsbury, they've been linked together in conversation. And, of course, the Mets are the only team – ridiculous enough to take on a contract like Robinson Cano. Mariners, of course, would love to get rid of him, but I don't see them tearing down completely, and I think that they're going to be more competitive than we say that with the Mariners in full fire sale mode, right? Full fire sale mode. It's like, really, dude? That's fake news right there. They're not in full fire sale mode. They sold Paxton, which I thought was very smart because they got some youngster that could be and might be just as good and probably more healthy. Go ahead. 
Well, their their pitching, their starting pitching, in my opinion, is a disaster. Cha Cha is just said so as well. Oh well, if Cha Cha says, and I agree, I agree with what Cha Cha is saying. I think their pitching staff, especially from a starting standpoint, is very bad. What if they picked up a couple starters? Let's let's pretend that the Mariners pick up Gio Gonzalez and one other starter up the free agency, and they don't trade anybody. Those guys difference makers. I mean, even when I look at them right now, let's say they added, let's say they added two quality starting pitchers. None of the, the top guys with two quality starting pitchers. Okay. They're still probably the seventh best team in the American League. Okay. Behind, you know, Houston, Boston, New York, Cleveland, Oakland, even Tampa. I mean... They don't have to beat Tampa to get into the playoffs, though. They have to beat Oakland and, and the Astros to get into okay. the playoffs. And so, they technically would have to beat Tampa if mm-hmm. it came down to a wild, wild card spot. I mean, they're... Yes, I still think at this point with what they have, they are closer to contention than they are to the basement. But if you can sell off a couple more pieces, you're closer to that basement and you're setting yourself up in a position where you can win. And to me, they're not going to be able to add as much as they need to add with that Cano contract hampering them down. You say they have a lot of money. I'm not so sure they do. I mean, Segura's not making a little bit of money. He's locked up for another four or five years, but it's not at a cheap price necessarily. Seattle. It's a good amount of money. Um, I, Seattle I made Seattle paid out 196 million last year. They have 125 million on the books this year, 91 million next year. They have this last year of King Felix. Uh, he gets paid 27 million, and Cano plus King Felix that adds up to 51 million. They're stuck with this Cano contract. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody's taking this guy. I don't think and anybody. That's why. That's why they should consider trading. Another piece. Well, he's not worthless. I mean, he's not worthless player if he's healthy and he's not in trouble. The guy is not a worthless player. They... Well, no, not at all. I mean, if you if you take what he did even just last year in eighty games and you double it, he actually is a very good player. Exactly. So let's say he, let's say he just plays just like Robinson Cano always plays. Let's take a little bit of stats away from him. Let's say that the Mariners pick up. I, I really believe that it's smart to not make huge like judgments about what the Mariners are going to do because between now and spring training if they pick up just a couple of pieces everybody's capable of picking up a couple of pieces but I believe that it will be a real big difference maker for the Mariners I do not see them selling off Edwin Diaz I do not see them they own Edwin Diaz for another four years why would they sell him off I just don't get it because they're obviously adding pieces with uh, Malik Smith and they're adding pieces, young pieces. They, I don't think – what do you think that they're going to want for Edwin Diaz? I mean, of course, they're open to talking about it, but there's nothing out there that says that they're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to rebuild with prospects. They well, just, I mean, his, his value is as high as it's ever going to be. Depending on what, how you see that, because they own him for another four years at a, lot, a very low cost. So I know. So with, with all the years left, with the low cost – with the career season, I mean, even why wouldn't even they if keep he had him? Another amazing season. I don't think he's ever going to touch what he just did. I mean, he just had one of the greatest seasons from, from a relief pitcher that we've seen in a very long time, especially from the save standpoint. Mm-hmm. Be, people can argue that Trinan was better than him outside of the save category, but in general, Edwin Diaz's value is at is its all time high. The Mariners definitely need to make, add some pieces, but I just don't see him. I, I just think that people should really. Take a step back for a second and think about how desperate they really are. They're not they're not as in but bad a shape as the Mets. Pieces, the Mets all adding pieces is gonna do, Andrea. Oh is please prolong is prolong 
the mediocrity for the two or three years. How is that? How can you say that? So they should just sell off everybody then? Because they have a lot more pieces than the Mets have. They have a lot more pieces. Everybody thinks the Mets is going to, like, go and acquire something big. The Mariners can can acquire a ton of young talent with all the players that they have. Why would they do that? A lot of teams would take D. Gordon. A lot of teams would take Segura. A lot of teams would take – Yeah, you're right. They sure would. would take Alex Smith. Maybe hold on to Hanniger. Use him as a building block. Uh, I mean, (laughs) overall, overall – I actually agree with Chasha again. The Mets are a better team than the Mariners. How the are they Mets a better team, team than the Mariners? That's just absolutely I ridiculous. I will take I will take Degrom, Syndergaard, and Wheeler in my rotation over anything Seattle has. Of course, but you guys are trying to sell off Syndergaard too. Like the Mets can't compete if they sell Syndergaard. They just can't. Do you agree with that or no? I don't agree with it. I don't disagree with oh, it. Oh, you think I, they can contend if they don't have Syndergaard? I think I think they can contend without Syndergaard okay. if they get back the right pieces for Syndergaard and then bring in two star, starting pitchers for the price of one type of thing. You trade yeah. Syndergaard and you bring in. Personally, I don't think they should trade Syndergaard. We've had That's this conversation stupid. before. You can't really replace a Syndergaard-type talent. No, you can't replace him, and he's still owned. He's under control for the next few years, so it's not, you know, it's, it's definitely – I just don't see it. I do not see how you could – how any uh, – absolutely the pitching is better. The pitching's better, but the pitching is so volatile. Every year the Mets try and have their good pitchers. Certainly they have some talent between the three of those guys, Wheeler, DeGrom, and Syndergaard. They all have talent inside them. But when was the last time the Mets ever had a rotation that was even halfway healthy at the same time? That's very true. They haven't, but you know who else has had injuries a lot? Seattle. The Mariners came in with, uh, look, they're tied for seventh in runs created last year. Let's, I'm just going through the, I'm just going through the stats and I'm comparing them to the other 29 teams in baseball, and um, you know they're, they're right I don't in the care middle. About how they rank in baseball, I care about how they rank in their division. Okay. And at best, they are third. At best, wait a minute. They are third. Who's gonna? Okay, so you're telling me that the Angels are gonna beat the Mariners? No. The Angels are gonna be a better team than the Mariners. Houston, the Astros are gonna be better than Seattle. The, they already are. Hold on. Wait, you said who Who in the Astros? A's and Astros. You think the A's are guaranteed to be better than the Mariners next year? I do. Okay. So there's two think, wild cards in the AL. The and A's, it's not coming from the Central, I'll tell you that much. So No, it's not. But the Yankees or Red Sox are going to occupy you, one of those that's spots. Just, that's just ignorant to think that just because the Yankees or Red Sox are going to occupy that spot that they are not going to contend. I don't. I just don't agree with that. They're so close to contending to me that you can't count them out. That's all I'm saying. Like I, I don't disagree with you that they have holes in their thing. But why do you decide? What makes you think that now? Because when they had Paxton, you weren't ready to have a fire sale. Now that they don't have Paxton, the the attitude has changed, and I question that because I wonder how good Paxton really is. I, of course, you love him because he's going to Yankees. It's Stadium. not. It's not. His analysis has nothing to do with Paxton. I, what? I, I don't. I, I just. I don't like. In my opinion, the direction that the team has been going in isn't isn't a good one. They firstly, okay. why? Why? I like the player in Malik Smith, but they don't need another guy that has decent contact that steals a lot of bases. They have that what? in Duke Gordon. They have that in Gene Segura. Okay. And there's only so much. There's only so many two ninety hitters that can steal forty bases that are going to help you win. 
There's only yeah, so many of them in baseball. You're right. There's I know. Only so yeah, many. I don't have three of them. They don't need all three. Okay. D. Gordon stole 30 bases last year. But whatever way gets runs scored, right? I mean, are we going to knock them because they have more stolen bases than the next guy? They don't have as much power? Maybe they they really definitely need to sign somebody like Nelson Cruz again. They definitely are lacking, like, that big power guy. But but that could come in free agency. That could come easily. There's plenty of big power hitters out and available. Even when the season starts, we're still going to see a chunk of them out there available. So home runs are a dime a dozen, but you don't find stolen bases very often. Teams don't run anymore because they don't want to risk the um, outs. I just believe that they're a better team than people are giving them credit for, and I don't think that everybody should just jump. But that is when you changed your mind about the Mariners, right? That's when you changed your mind. When you saw Paxton being traded off, now all of a sudden the Mariners You know what? I didn't sale. like the Mariners going into last year, and in the first half when they were playing as well as they were and winning all those one-run games, I was very surprised. And I started to come around on them and say, okay, you know, maybe there is something there in Seattle. And then, like they always do, they fell off the map, and they finished very mediocre they because they mediocre. are mediocre. Okay. Mediocre isn't like the Marlins where you sell off all your pieces just because no. you traded Paxton. No, it's not. Paxton it's not. is going to be a failure in Yankee Three or Stadium. Three more years of mediocrity with spending some money here or there isn't going to, isn't going to help them. Is um, Gene Segura mediocre? Is Kyle Seeger mediocre? Is D. Gordon mediocre? Is Malik Smith mediocre? None of these players are mediocre, and they're not like total. Seeger is incredibly me- mediocre. I think okay. if you looked up Kyle Seeger in the dictionary, he would say mediocre. Okay. But no, D. Gordon is not mediocre, but he's a bad fit in Seattle. Why? They have D. Gordon's. They have Segura. They have Malik Smith now. They they don't need another. They don't need another player like that. They need a guy or two of guys who can hit in the middle of their lineup and drive in runs. They don't need a bunch of guys that can hit singles and steal some bases. Because although you want that and you need that, no one's going to win because they're going to hit four or five singles in an inning and manufacture runs. That's just not the way Major League Baseball is played anymore. Kyle Seager has hit 20 or more home runs for the last seven years straight. He's had 600 at bat for the last seven years straight. He's also... Home runs nowadays. Who does 25, it? 30. I'm not just saying 20. I'm saying at least 20. He hit 20, 25, 26, 30, 27, 22. Um, I'm just saying he's consistent. He's not. I don't think that's mediocre. That's just me. He doesn't have a great batting average last year. I'm concerned about that a little bit. But whatever. He's only 30 is years Seager, old. Is Seager a top third, top 15 third baseman in Major League Baseball in your oh, eyes? But by all means, he is. Yes. You don't think he's a top 15? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think he's somewhere between probably 15 and 25, and that makes him mediocre. Top, top 10 is great. I guess 10, it's 10, 10 to 20 is, you know, okay. And tw- after 20, it's pretty mediocre. I mean, it's a deep position, too, of course. Um, if, it's funny because if, if Kyle Seeger played first base, I think he, I wouldn't think he's so mediocre. Because Why would know, you? What? I because think we know that the, at the production at first base is on the decline. But compared to other third basemen around Major League Baseball, I don't like Seager at all. He's very average to me. I don't. I just don't agree. There's plenty of third basemen that aren't that good. There's just plenty of them. Then I don't know of very many that have hit, you know, over 20 home runs for the last seven years straight. I just don't. 
And I don't so, know any of any of them. Fine. So let's just say Seattle's lineup is great, and they're one of the top. They're not ten great. Lineups. I'm not saying they're great. So okay, we, let's not exaggerate well, let's, let's here. Let's say they're one of the top ten lineups in the league. You said they're seventh in producing runs. Well, still. Whatever. It was the first stat I saw. I'm just telling you. What are they going to do about their starting rotation? Because let's just say they added Gio Gonzalez and even added J-Hap, who should be considered one of the better free agent arms. If they add those two right there, if they add those two pitchers, they're contenders. That's all I'm saying. If Cano's healthy and the rest of their team is healthy. Because of Justice Sheffield, who's thrown maybe five innings in the big leagues and didn't look good in them. Dude, at least he's not hurt all the time. At least he'll be healthy. And I don't think that he did – I don't think that he's a number one starter to begin with, but I think he's ready to be promoted to the major leagues because he's gone through all the levels. He's grown and matured, like, slowly but surely. He wasn't rushed into anything. He's ready to come to the major leagues. I don't expect him to be perfect, like, right away, but I believe that Paxton is going to be a huge failure for you guys. It's going to be – not a good fit. I don't think Paxton is a good fit, but I'm a total Yankees hater, so it might be totally biased that I say that. I've never been uh, a Paxton. That's fine, but this, at this point, Paxton's gone from Seattle. So that's he, fine. So he, I'm he glad he's out gone. Of your mind. I don't he think that he did. And that's oh, the thing. Yeah. He's not out of my mind because he made everybody change their mind about Seattle. Now, all of a sudden, they're selling off all their pieces because they got rid of a, a part-time, healthy, 30-year-old player and pitcher who's I don't think he's ever pitched a couple hundred innings, but either way, Paxton, you're right, he's gone. I just don't. My issue with Seattle is even if they add these two starters we're talking about, and it's still a big if, we don't know if they're even going to, they have a bunch of number three starters. So do the Yankees. The Yankees do too. Firstly, I think the Yankees have a bunch of number two starters, but that's that's semantic. The difference is the Yankees have the lineup and the bullpen. To back it up, Seattle, in my opinion, doesn't. Even if they have a mediocre starting rotation, it's not going to be good enough because their lineup is good, but it's not elite. And their bullpen outside of Edwin Diaz is... What, what's of, wrong with oh, Alex Colome? He's there, too. Alex Colome had one and a half really good years. And it was as a closer. When he got to Seattle, he wasn't that good. He, he was okay. Oh, okay, okay. All right, whatever, dude. I just disagree with you. I just disagree with you. I don't... It's not... This is all subjective. When we say that this team is mediocre, that is subjective completely. When what you think is mediocre may not be exactly what I think is mediocre, and I do not believe that the Mariners are just going to roll over and let that happen to them. They have – I think they're just as good as Oakland. I mean, they need a hitter. They need they need to pick up some players off the free agency. They're not complete, but spring training is not tomorrow. So let's just not count them out and try to sell off all their players because they have just as much of a chance of getting these free agents as anybody else. They don't have a lot of payroll. They can afford to buy players. They can afford to make trades without giving away their best pieces. This is the same thing for the Mets. Why in the world would they give away Syndergaard to put them back another few years? I say keep what you have and hope that your pitching is finally healthy, and maybe, just maybe, you can find a couple hitters because they're a dime a dozen nowadays. You know what my what my biggest thing is, is that when you're trying to build – a team and an organization and try and build a model of consistency and consistently winning, you usually have to take a few steps back before you can take a giant step forward. And Seattle refuses to take those few steps back. They continue to put out competitive teams, but not great teams. And if they continue to do that and continue to do that, they're just going to continue to fall into that cycle. Again, I know you don't like the word of mediocrity. They either either need to go out there and spend really big and bring in – 
superstars to join the already solid offensive players they have, go out there and get two top-of-the-line starters, then we could be talking. If they go out there and sign the middle-of-the-pack free agents to join a middle-of-the-pack team, they continue to be in the middle-of-the-pack. What is J.A. Happ? Is he a middle-of-the-pack pitcher? Or do you think he would flourish in Seattle? Because I J.A. Happ might be the ace of the Mariners. But is that funny? He was the ace of the freaking Yankees last year. So, I mean... Well, he was the third or the fourth starter. Oh, really? Well, when Severino was taking his nap in the second half of the season, J.A. Happ came through big time. Yeah, he came through big time, but a lot. you know what? We see that a lot. When pitchers get traded from a non-contender to a contender, they flourish in the last few months of, of the year. Oh. J.A. Happ is good. I like J.A. Happ. He's also 36 years old. It's not like he's, you know, like, so Seattle, what, like, he doesn't help Seattle long term. I didn't. And Seattle winning 82 or 83 games this year, sure, it's it's above average. It's not going to get them anywhere. What did they win last year? They won more than that last year, so they didn't have Cano all season. Didn't they win more than that last year? They were also defying the odds with all their one run, or with all those run one, one run. And okay. Eventually dried up, and then their success dried up too. Okay, so they were just lucky then, I guess. That's okay. I don't think they're the greatest team. I'm not trying to say that they're the greatest team. What I'm trying to say is, don't sell all their players because the hot stove is driving me crazy. Can you hear my bitchiness? I swear to God, I'm gonna. I know. Freak I out over this hot stove and crap. I, I'm not saying they should trade Edwin Diaz, but I think we can agree that his value at this point right now in time is as high as it's ever going to be. Perhaps, but he's still young. Very good contract, exactly. He's still 24. You think he he's the best he's ever going to be at 24? His his value to another organization, yes, because he's still young. He's got a live arm. He's controllable for four, four more years, and he's coming off a year in which he had almost sixty saves. I don't think it really gets. I don't think it really it goes up from there. Can, well, can he repeat it? Can he repeat that season? It's possible, I guess. I, don't, I mean, I don't see why not. He, he's twenty four. He, he could he could repeat that season again, but that doesn't make his value go to, to go up to me. It well, just at, I, very, at the very least it stays the same. But it's another year of him going through his contract, and he enters his his arbitration years. Who knows how much money he's going to get? All I'm saying is right now, lots of team control, very good price coming off the best season he's had so far, right? Best season he's ever going to have because although we can't we don't know for sure. His career averages are somewhere around 2.5. 24. 2.6. He's only 24. Yeah. So we don't he know. He also was in the high 90s, and that's very impressive. It also means he is susceptible to potentially being injured because a lot of guys that throw hard get, get injured. So, I mean, and closers, again, as we know, are dime a dozen. You can be right. the that's... best closer baseball for three years and then fall off a map. So why would the so so to trade him at his highest value is still not very good because teams just don't pay money for one year like sporadic like he came around he's 24 he had that one great season people are like why would I give up my my best prospect just for this guy that we don't even know how he would pitch he outside of Seattle it you know God forbid if he goes somewhere where it's just a uh, like band box or whatever I just you know. I don't see the point, in, in, you know and Cano is a big there. deal here, too. You know, what, because you know what scares me about Edwin Diaz? And I know he was only 23. It was his first full year in the major – well, second – kind of his second full year in the major leagues. In 2017, 
for a closer, his ERA was almost four. No, sorry, it was it was three point two seven. That that's not good. That's for not a bad. It's not that's bad. It's, really it's not, not bad, but it's it's not it's not like amazing for a closer. I mean, the strikeouts jumped up by over thirty more. Um, the ERA fell by almost two, uh, almost a run and a half. I mean, we might see a player that's somewhere in the middle of 27 and 2017, 2018, and that's not bad, but it's not the elite that we saw just this past year. Another thing I feel like what I, it's hard to explain or like put into the right words, but just giving away Diaz just to get rid of Cano is not that bright to me because you're giving away now two pieces that are big, that are going to, they, I mean, they could be difference makers. Even Cano is – he has a horrible contract, but try to not keep that in mind at the moment. We just got done saying if Cano – hold on to Cano, the less value he's going to have. And at some point, they do want to try and get rid of him. And from a closer, from Diaz's standpoint, if you were to trade Cano and Diaz, you're still – it's not like you're giving them away. You're getting something back. You're probably getting a guy that's a future closer. I know it's a prospect, and we don't know how they're going to develop. But at one point, Diaz was a pitching pro- prospect too. He turned out just fine. So you're getting back – you're likely getting back a bullpen piece that's ready to go. You're getting back a bullpen piece like that what? is like going who? to be – that it depends who you're trading. A bullpen piece? Trade. That's what you're getting. You're giving away Cano and Edwin Diaz for no, a couple I'm, of bullpen I'm guys. Yeah, you're getting your bullpen piece. You're getting a future bullpen piece. You're probably getting a starting pitcher, and you're getting a hitter that's either MLB ready or on the cusp of being MLB oh. ready. Well, it sets them up better for the future, which is when they're going to have that money coming off from Felix, which is when they won't be hampered down by the Cano contract if, if they trade him. There's a lot more they can do if they can get out from under that contract. And if it means trading a closer, when you're probably like, – <laughs> to me, closers are important on playoff teams, on under teams that are on the cusp of making the postseason. I guess Seattle could be considered that, but you don't need you don't need a you don't need an elite closer if you plan if you think your team's going to win seventy to seventy five games. You need your you need your um, you need a closer if you think you're going to be winning eighty five. I mean- 95 games. Let's go ahead. Let's just go ahead right now and compare the Mariners pitching to the A's pitching. And I know Chris Davis, right? He's a difference maker. He's going to hit 50 bombs. Fine. I get that totally. But look at what they're working with. They beat the Mariners by like six games last year. Six games. So I just don't say to myself that the A's are a guaranteed lock in the playoffs and that, you know, that they can't beat the well, A's. Well, the A's are only arguably getting stronger. They're Look at their get pitching. They're going to get back Terrell Cotton. They're going to get back A.J. Puck. Um, that, that makes them better, in my opinion. What are those two pitchers going to do for them? I know you like Terrell Cotton and all, but maybe it's about time that we stop having such high hopes for this kid. I guess. Sure. What about? I guess you, you, you could say that about him, but I mean, pitchers, uh, I like pitchers in Oakland. Not that I don't like pitchers in Seattle, but pitchers typically do well in Oakland because of that ballpark. Cotton, to me, is a good pitcher. He's just, he's just, um, has, hasn't been healthy, but guess, I uh, guess Jacqueline makes a great point. How does, how do they beat the Astros? Because at this point, the Astros are still the king of king of that division. I don't know how they beat the Astros. I don't need them to beat the Astros. I mean, they Astros have to beat the Astros. Though. Why? Because Why do they have the to beat the... in the American League right now? Seattle has oh. one one chance okay. of getting into the playoffs, and that is the fifth wild card team. And there's a mm-hmm. bunch of other teams that are going to be competing for for, for that spot. Mm-hmm. They're just they're, again. I still think although. 
technically with their roster right now, they are closer to the playoffs than being at the bottom. But making a couple trades to go towards the bottom and do a re- actually do a proper rebuild, take a few steps back to take a big step forward, the way to do that is by trading off some of their pieces or bringing in pieces that are going to be able to help them two and three years from now when, A, Houston starts to lose players because they can't afford to keep them all. Verlander will have been retired. Charlie Vaughan will be long gone. I mean, Houston's only going to be – Houston's only going to be – an elite team for another two, three, maybe four years. So that's when you want to strike. That's when Texas is going to be good again. Mm. You know, like the, that's when the Angels can hope they're going to be good again. The A's, on the other hand, who have had a couple bad seasons, are on the rise. They're young, and um, Double A says Oakland and Minnesota says you can play for the wild card. Yeah, you can certainly play for the wild card. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, Double A. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you can absolutely play for the wild card. But you, but they, for it. you absolutely can play for it. But your goal with the way that the wild card is set up now is to win your division. <laughs> That's fine. It's always the goal to win your division. I'm just saying, the Seattle Mariners are not a dumpster team right now. Whoa. What? Lenny's on the phone talking loud. <laughs> it just came I, I out of nowhere. I heard that. Okay. I think, I think we've taken a lot of time with Seattle. Move on. Let's talk about our next argument. We have another yeah. argument up, okay, up so, our sleeves. Um, speaking, of big, big, speaking of big contracts, can – Seattle get rid of Cano, probably not. Can the Yankees get rid of Giancarlo Stanton and his why, contract? Why do they want to get rid of Stanton all of a sudden? Well, I like the acquisition of Stanton because it didn't cost them much to bring him in. Oh. But having another having another big semi – yes, he's athletic, but another big potential pretty much power – nothing else, right fielder. They already have that in Aaron Judge. Stanton was uh, a, not a very good left fielder in general, which is where he'd have to play or DH. He makes a hell of a lot of money, and he still has value in other places. I think if the Yankees could trade him, they would. I think they'd much rather trade Stanton and use that money to try and sign Machado or Harper. I'm not saying they're going to, but I know gonna... they've come out and said they are willing to trade him. Right, and everybody's willing to trade everybody. This is a business. This is a – the baseball is a business. So it's not like we have, like, personal feelings towards players and we don't trade them because if they get a good deal on – you know, if they get a good offer. But but to me, we got the guy with the biggest contract in baseball. This is the biggest contract in baseball. This guy is 29 years old. He It's – in a way, it's just like Cano. It's like – and and obviously Cano is – taken a turn for the worse because of the steroids and because he had such a crappy year. But Stan isn't going anywhere. Like, the Yankees were the ones that wanted him just one year ago. So the fact that they now don't have room for him is beyond me. But they do have the DH spot for him. And who wouldn't want – I mean, he didn't do horrible. They knew what they were getting in their outfield. No, he he had a very good year. Okay. He had a very good year. I don't think – I don't think they don't – they want to get rid of him because of a lack of production. I think they'd like to get rid of him because they'd like to get out from under that contract yeah, but and nobody, give that type of money to somebody else. They're not going to get be able to get rid of Stanton, dude. They're That's just, the thing. The biggest thing is is that people are talking about trying to get rid of him. The only the only team that could even remotely consider taking him on would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't really see where he fits there either. What if the Mariners got Stanton? What if the Mariners said, okay. Remember, Stanton can block trades pretty much wherever he wants. Yeah. He could have gone to St. Louis. He could have gone to San Francisco. He didn't want to go there. Guess what? 
I'm going to say this and feel good and great about myself, and it's real bitchy, too. Jacoby Ellsbury is getting paid almost as much as Stanton. Just saying. I'm sorry. That's rude. I know, but it's just me as a Red Sox fan. It's like when you guys took Ellsbury, I didn't really want to sign him, but it's just that anger that you get when you see the Yankees taking one of your players again. And then when you see him just shit the bed, you're like, this is wonderful. So I'm yeah, sorry. If I was a Red Sox fan, I would have been a lot more upset about Johnny Damon. Damon. Yeah, I was then, too uh, until he crapped the bed. Well, he did but the same thing Damon, for you. Damon helped them win a World World Series. Though. That's true. Yeah, uh, Ellsbury's done absolutely nothing and been injured more than half the time. So uh, the, the the chances of them getting rid of Stanton or even trying that hard to get rid of Stanton are pretty slim, in my opinion. No, and I mean I'm totally pulling this this one out of my ass because I haven't heard anything about it. The only way I could see it happening is if somehow the Dodgers wanted to take on Stanton. They wanted to stay, create a big contract back, and the Yankees took on like a Matt Kemp or, or something with a prospect what? to get rid of the Stanton contract. We goes to left, Stanton goes to right. The only way I could see it happen. There's no way that – well, Kemp is a good player, dude. He got comeback player yeah. of the year, didn't he? He didn't, but he should have. Um, I think it was Johnny Venters, her boy. But um, Oh, how nice. The point is that Kemp could help the Yankees. He could play left field. He could DH every now and again. But it would get rid of the large standing contract. It's Although not Kemp's going to. It's not signed for as, nearly as long. That's the only way I could see getting rid of Stanton is somewhere to the Dodgers who will spend that money on Stanton and the Yankees taking back another big contract of their own. But I other did, than that, I, I, did I don't know. think anyone. I'm sorry. I did notice some serious, like, back paying going on. You know, the Arizona Diamondbacks are still paying Yasmani Tomas over $15 million a year right now. That's – when I see these teams, like, I see them – I see what they have, their buried money and their, you know, deferred money, and the, the Mets are still paying some dude from, like, 25 years ago or two people. Who <laughs> No, I don't know. The Mets are the only ones stupid enough to take Cano, I'll tell you that much. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I know that the Mariners have talked to the Mets about Cano. Blank. Yeah, and I think it was Lenny who brought up that the Mets' new general manager is Cano's former agent, if that has anything to do with it. I guess you always look for connections there. What is Everyone, this? What, what is going on with this guy? What's his name? Lenny called him. Brody Van Wagoner, I think. Yeah, Wagatail is what Lenny called him. Wagatail. Wagatail. Yeah, well, I want to let everybody know they should come to LennyMelnickFantasySports.com Monday through Sunday to get access to all the sports talks you could ever want. On the Legend Sports Network, and later on tonight, we have Feral Fantasy Baseball at 9 p.m. Eastern, oh, yeah. followed by football with Easy and Chris at 10 p.m. Eastern. But, Andy, today somebody came into the chat room yes. under the name Traveler, mm-hmm. and they brought up a, a very interesting conversation about Gary Sanchez and his keeper value, not in a mixed league, right. not, in a, not, not, in a, not in a redraft league, in a keeper league, Alton style. So, obviously, his value, Sanchez, is different in an AL-only versus a mixed league. This oh my is God. an AL-only league. He could keep Sanchez at $16. My first question is not even necessarily to you. Well, it is to you, but also to the chat room. Well, it has to be. What do you think Gary Sanchez would go for if he was in the auction in an AL-only? Would he go an for AL- 20? Would he go for 25? Hold on. It's an AL-only auction, and yeah. you, it's a two-catcher league. Um, I don't know if it's a two-catcher Yes, league. he said that very distinctly. Okay. Okay, well and then. it blew me off my chair because I have it's very tough in the American League. I when I went over and I started looking at comparisons, there's only one qualified catcher in the American League. It was a uh, uh, 
God, what's his name? Salvi? Salvador Perez? Salvador Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez and him. Yeah, well, now Wilson Ramos is gone, too. Yes, and um, Zanino is gone. Like, he's the only qualified. I don't expect a lot of... He's not gone. He's just out of Seattle. He's in Tampa, so he's still in the American League. Zanino. Zanino. Okay. So, the the catcher position isn't going to get a lot of qualified, you know, anyway, so it's not as drastic as it sounds. But there was only, like... 11 that had over 300 at bats. So the American League is is probably the most shallow for catchers I've seen. They have a couple defensive catchers that are not going to help you much in fantasy, but like I'm literally in my AL only that I'm dreading now coming up on to. That's not a keeper league, but it's just a normal AL only two catcher league. It's a nightmare. The catching situation is bleak. Dude, to say the least. Well, I will say this. League, this but guy, in the American League, it's even worse. Yes, in the American League, it's like 10 times worse. And this guy owns Sanchez already, and he can keep him for $16. And we all did agree this might be the only time we ever agree again, Lou. Definitely, he's worth keeping. And he is going to, at least, if anything else, you'll make like a $30 off of him in a trade if you have to trade him. If he my, question, a- my first question is, though, and I – Everyone's going to differ in their opinion. Would okay. I draft Sanchez at 16, 20, 25? I'm not sure I would. But if I already had him and knew I had him at 16, I would keep him. So you don't – this is interesting to me that you feel this way about Gary Sanchez. You know, um, I'm obviously biased against Yankees. I did own Gary Sanchez last year because I really – in an AL-only league. And he let me down tremendously for what I paid for him. He's obviously going to go for cheaper than he did last year because he's not all hyped up and he's not – coming off of like, you know, the year before it was just so much hype, right? So take off a little bit of that hype. That was still too much hype. Okay, he he got 18 home runs last year. He got he just stunk for the amount of money that you paid for him. So, going into this season, I'm surprised to hear you say I would think that a Yankee fan would say Gary Sanchez had an off season. He obviously is the most He did have an off season. Okay. So he was also hurt for a lot of it. So is the one eighty six batting average it's just awful. But I don't he's just not that bad. I he mean, never two ninety nine, two seventy eight. Wait. Um even if he hits two fifty, that's good for a catcher in my opinion. And if he Oh, despite the batting average, if this guy wasn't so injured this year and played even 120 games versus 89, he could have had 25 homers, 80 runs, and 80 RBIs. That's not you're not going to get that at um, at the catcher position from many people. No, nobody. Maybe so, three or four. Not total. in the American League. Like Salvador Perez is not even going. Salvador Perez is going to hit the 25 homers. Probably have 70 RBI, 70 runs, but he's not. He doesn't have the potential. The thing is, is that would you pay? Would you go up to 22 or 23 versus 18 or 19 for the potential of Gary Sanchez? I think I would. Well, I, I don't know if we even would say potential because we've seen him hit well. However, he's, you know, the adjustment thing. I still feel like you know he's still young. They had enough time the first season to like really get to know his weaknesses, and then they targeted it. I will say this: he had horrible. Um, batting average on balls in play was 197. I don't even know. That's just not even. That's really, yeah. I mean, that's that's a bit of bad luck. I mean, I, I obviously watch the guy every day. And but I hate his I attitude. Some, yeah, that's I thought he had some terrible at-bats. I don't like his attitude. He hit the ball really hard a lot of the time and had nothing mm-hmm. to show for it. Right. If that, if that changes at all, I mean, again, 240 hitter even. With yeah. the home run RBI, and when I said potential, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that he needs to hit his potential. Ceiling. I'm saying that, yeah, with the potential that he has, the ceiling that he has. Yeah. 
I don't think it's crazy to pay in the extra three, four dollars for him um, than you would for anyone else. However, one catcher league, personally, I'm going to go with the one or two dollar dude and save my money. In a two catcher league, in an AL only league, uh, he has a lot of value. I I mean his his value tremendously goes up just because there's just no depth in the catching spot. So, but Gary Sanchez for me, I would actually probably pay more money than you for Gary Sanchez, but not much more. Especially, it's just hard because when you're in an AL only league and you just you know you only get it's so shallow that I mean I just remember labor from last year and I owned Gary Sanchez and I owned Robinson Cano on the same team. That was just wonderful. Oh, and Byron Buxton too on that team. I came in last. Needless to say. Okay, but it was a horrible year. I just can't blame it all on Gary Sanchez. For next year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna project him. Next year, I'm gonna project him at 450 at bats. I'm gonna say that he gets about 29 homers. I'm gonna say that he almost doubles his runs in RBIs. I will say about 80 apiece, and that right there will be enough to make up for any kind of money that you pay extra, like three or four bucks. You said, but I think it's gonna be more like 10 bucks that you're gonna be paying. You know, the difference between yeah. him. And the next Fair guy. Enough. I mean, I would go as high as twenty three or twenty four bucks for him at sixteen dollars in this situation for Traveler and his team in the in an AL only. I think Sanchez is definitely worth keeping at sixteen dollars. I also like um, this boy in, on the White Sox, even though I'm waiting for Savvy to come up. Your boy Savvy, yeah. Yeah, but he's not up yet. But I like Omar Narvez. I like him. He doesn't hurt the your question, batting average. The question is, let's say you can get Mike Zanino for four dollars. And you're not going to. San- uh, okay, six dollars. Let's say you get Zanino at six versus Sanchez at twenty-five. Oh. How much better is Gary Sanchez None. in New York and Zanino in Tampa? Now he's in Zero. a better hitter's situation. How much better is Sanchez than Zanino when they're both at their best? This is why you throw out a guy like Zanino, like in the third round of the auction. You just throw out Zanino before any of the catchers go, and everybody's waiting for a better catcher, and you say, I'm going to get Zanino for like six bucks right now. Otherwise, you're going to, if you wait too long with catchers, and there's no other, you don't want to be the guy waiting until there's only two left on the board. Then you're fighting with three people for two guys, and it doesn't matter how much money you saved up till now, you're going to be paying, you're going to be overpaying. So there's a lot of timing involved in auction leagues. That's why I love the draft so much. I love the draft. See, I do too, and I love auctions. They're my favorite. And I want to say, okay, it's worth, you know, only paying the six for Zanino versus the 24 for Sanchez. But Sanchez, in a bad season, still had as good a numbers as Mike Zanino did. And Zanino played a full season for, for the most part. Okay, but so that's that not is- normal. That's not normal. Zanino, if he, he paid, he had 400 at bats. Okay, Gary Sanchez had 374. Yeah, more home runs. He didn't have a lot of runs or RBIs. That's the thing. These catchers are so volatile. Like no, none of these catchers in the American League even eclipsed 50 RBIs. One of them did. Two of them, Chirinos and Salvador Perez. The rest of them, they're like, all of them are less than 50 RBIs. So what do you really? Either you get like top of the line, or you get just couple 30 RBIs and you get like a the only, to me the only category if you're talking from a fantasy standpoint your basic 5 by 5 that Zanino is equivalent to Gary Sanchez could be home runs could be if Sanchez has another down year where only hits 20 22 home runs or so but other than that Sanchez could double the runs could almost double the RBIs the best year Zanino's ever had is 250 but for Zanino. the most part 
Dude. For the most part, he's a two ten. Oh yeah, I know. Type of hitter. A thirty homer though. Well, he hit twenty. Twenty five is his max that, that he's ever hit. So he strikes um, out thirty seven percent of the time. This guy strikes out or he hits a bomb. That's it. There's no in between. He's, I love him in DFS in certain situations. I definitely will draft him absolutely because he's cheap usually. I don't know if his value is going to go up or down in Tampa. Whatever Seattle's. I, look, he's obviously <laughs> not Gary Sanchez, but if you're going to – you don't – I'm not paying 25 bucks for Gary Sanchez and skipping on the $6 Zanino, dude, because I could – for that rest of that money, 20 more dollars, I could buy, like, three hitters at the end of the draft. I could buy, like, a, you know, some of these potential high-ceiling guys. Gary Sanchez is fine. Believe me, if I own him in a dynasty league, he's not going anywhere. But – yep. And that's that's just it. Is you know an extra eighteen dollars for Gary Sanchez? I'm not so sure it's worth it. And um, as much as I think Sanchez is significantly better than Zanino is at the price at the price point, yeah, I man. don't think so. No way. I think I think a six dollars Zanino is more valuable than a twenty five dollar Gary Sanchez. Um, speaking of dollars though and money, let's talk Joey Votto. So money, I'm, not, I'm not sure if anyone is saying this right now, but it kind of came to my mind. You is must he say hurting, it. Is he hurting the Reds more than he's helping at this point? He's owed $125 million through 2023. He's 35 years old. Yeah. After last year, looks like he could certainly be on the, the decline. So forgetting about the Reds for just a moment, mm-hmm. from a fantasy standpoint, are you drafting Votto as a top 25 player at this point at 35 years old after coming off a damn year? Does he rebound and get back to the Joey Votto of old? And is his contract actually hampering the Reds at this point more than it's helping them? Considering he's not signed until 2020 or 21, he's signed for another five years, four or five years. I mean, it's hard to put a number on this, but I do believe that his presence is a big deal, that he is uh, great for working around with young players, and he obviously has some of the best plate discipline in the entire Major League Baseball. I do see, like, obviously his stats dropped last year. He hit 12 home runs, and I guess when you say the Joey Votto of old, we would expect, like, 30, right? Like, between 25 and 30 homers from this guy. His Play discipline, if you play in an on-base percentage league, Joey Votto is a great guy. But personally, I've never drafted him as early as he goes, and I probably – I'm not going to starting now unless he drops to, like, the third round, which he very well could. And if he drops to the third round or the late second round, I'm all up on it because of consistency. I don't think that – in fantasy, we don't really have to worry about whether or not he's good or bad for the future of the Reds. However – I understand your point. It's a sucky, it's a long-ass contract. He's going to, you know, these contracts, it's these types of contracts that has managers now saying, I'm not doing that ever again, especially with pitchers. It's like, I'm just not doing it. For the, you know, um, Cano, or no, who was it? King Felix. He's getting paid $27 million, I think. His contract was, like, back heavy. So he started out, like, when he was actually good, they were only paying him a little bit of money, $16 million or something. And now, at the end of his contract, the last couple of years, he's totally useless. He's getting paid $27 million. No team should be in that position. Now they put themselves in that position twice with Cano on top of it. But going back to Votto, he makes contact 86% of the time still. 86%. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The guy is – he Guy puts the bat on the baseball um, outside of last year and in 2008. He's been over 300 outside of an injury riddle 2014. The guy hits 300. Yes. I feel, uh, however, when I see a drop from of 320 to 284 in the – 
batting average. And 284 is still good, but it fell 36 points. That's a big yes. draft fall. Okay. 36 homers to 12 home runs. That's a huge fall. So as much as you want to draft Joey Votto based on what we have seen Was from him. Was he hurt at all? I mean, there's lots year, of things that could no, cause he that. He has had a serious injury since 2014. 284 is not a bad average. No it's, not, no, it's not at all. When you look at the 284, you're like, oh, wow, 284. 417 OVP. That's awesome. But yeah. 36 points in average is a little scary. It doesn't because, even matter because people draft him for on base. Because what if Joey Votto, what if, what if the fall was not a fluke? The fall could be because he's getting up there in age. So as ask me about age, your swing becomes slower. You slow down. You don't make as much contact. You start to lose that power. I mean, Joey Votto, 284, 12 homers, 67 RBI, 67 runs. That's not second, third, even even fourth rounds that value. The Cincinnati Reds, dude, their entire payroll is like 68 million, and they pay Joey Votto 25 of it. So he's 36% of their payroll. Homer Bailey is the other 33%. Homer Bailey, dude. He's, yes, Homer Bailey, $23 million a year. That I think one. Homer Bailey's double-A's favorite player in Major League Baseball. He used to be Lenny's favorite player. I used to like saying that his name is kind of fun to say. But look at the players around him. He, they, they do have some youngsters coming up, hitters. I, like, I really do think that Cincinnati's coming around. They need a pitcher, too. They have some good young players. Votto is an absolute veteran, a leader. He's quiet, but he's doing the right thing all the time. He never gets in trouble. Ask me about this in the next couple years when he stops. Like, even if he goes down to, like, Joe Meyer or Joe Maurer stats or, you know, I hate to compare him, like, Albert Pujols maybe. Albert Pujols still just keeps getting it done every year. So at this point I don't look at Albert Pujols and say that he's basically just horrible for the Angels, although it's coming soon, I think, because the contract will outlive the player, no question. So there's it my... is. And one, one thing I want to say is um, I do like the name Homer Bailey, but it's the worst. It, it would be no like bueno. naming your kid Strikeout and him being a <laughs> I know. Or like a stolen base guy and you name him like Tub or something. Yeah, exactly. Turtle. Chubs or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're killing like me, small. If Malik, Smith, if Malik Smith's name was Turtle and he was stealing all, all those bases, you know, it, it's it, funny. it would be a little strange. It's really um, funny. But, yeah, so for me, Joey Votto, I love the player. I mean, he's a Canadian kid. That obviously makes me like him even more. I love that. Um, I, I like him as a player a lot. I love the on-base percentage. For the Reds, though, um, with all the young talent that they do have, it's good to have that veteran presence, and I agree with you. At mm -hmm. the same time, my I, my feeling is it's always good to trade a player a year too early versus a year too late. And if they don't, I'm not saying they're going to trade him. I haven't heard anyone say, oh, Votto should be traded, but they should strongly consider it. Well, in, I'm in sure they opinion. do. I know he's been the face of the Reds for a long time, but even if he does, even if he has one more really good year, at some point, he's going to hit that wall before this contract ends. And with the way the Reds are right now, with a lot of good young hitting, lack of pitching, trade Joey Votto for some pitching. I would say out of all the guys that we talked about today, Joey Votto is probably the one that's going to – I mean, I, I have no faith in Cano lasting now that I know that he's been on steroids all these years. I definitely – well, you can tell when he started doing it. It was like 2009 because that's when he started hitting bombs and he never stopped. Joey Votto compared to Cano or Stanton or Pujols or Migi or any of these huge contracts, Votto is still hitting. It's the on-base percentage for him too. People don't really draft him 
that high in they're going to draft him high, but not like they do in on base percentage leagues. On base percentage, I feel like Votto for the last five years has been a top twenty player in fantasy, though. I feel, or sorry, he's been taken in the top twenty or so. I don't think he falls below that. Oh right, well it, I, he will this year, I bet. He definitely should after what he did this past year. I mean, again, sixty-seven. Uh, okay. Taking on base percentage out of it, obviously, if you're playing playing on base percentage league, I agree with you. He has the value, but if you take that away from it, you can't Joey really. Votto is a replacement level caliber player on your roster. You can't just take certain things out of a player. You can't just. Well, you can if we're talking from a fantasy standpoint that doesn't have on base percentage, and a lot of leagues don't. A lot of leagues is that basic average homers, RBIs, runs, stolen bases. Joey Votto isn't offering you enough. Based on last year, he's not offering you enough in any of those categories. 284 is good, but you can find 275 with 25 homers and the same amount of RBIs. That's all I'm saying. This is, is all dependent on – I think that Joey Votto will be one of those players that depending on who you're playing up against and who the other managers are in your league and because he could go just by name recognition alone. He could go – because everybody knows that he's just a solid, consistent player. Even last year, he was still consistent and solid in his plate discipline in every aspect of it. Like, I know that his batting average went down, but sometimes batting averages are not – they're not going to always stay the same. I, I don't think that Votto is going to ever be, like, 30 homers again. But there's no reason why he can't come back out and get 415 on base percentage. And he's been doing that for the last 10 years. So, for me, I look more at the 10 years than I do at the one year, the re- most recent year. And I do take into consideration that he's 34. So, it's not getting any better, that's for sure. 35 like, now, I believe, um, as well. He was 34 last year, I believe. He's 30, yeah, he's 35 now. What's the um, fucking difference after you're 34? <laughs> it's all the same, okay? Believe me, I know, because um, I'm 43. So yes, I know. All, all, all I'm saying, again, and people are going to be like, Lou, we heard you already. Um, 36 points in average is a big drop. It's not when it's down to 86. It, it, it is, though, because what if it's – I'm not who? saying it's going to drop by 36 again. What if it drops by half of that? So when you – when he, when you say something like let's take it let's take out the on-base percentage part of it and let's just look at the rest of the stats so you take out you say he dropped 30 points in batting average the thing is is that we have all of these other stats that we can look at to see play discipline um and just because his average dropped that's one stat out of about 15 that tell you about his play discipline he still walked he still didn't strike out he still hit hard he made hard contact he all of these things are still stable so the the 25 percentage points in batting average just doesn't mean a whole lot to me when you got okay let let's look at some other things then i know uh, his home runs were down the injury in 2014 he had a career low slugging he had a he had a career low year. ops do you know what OPS is? OPS is slugging. On base, on base, on base plus, on base plus slugging. Okay, he, so he didn't hit a lot of power. He didn't get a lot of. His power went down. That's all I'm saying. His power went down tremendously. There's, there's, I'll, there's just, there's, there's, there's some red flags when I see drop offs that much that, that don't come from an injury. If he had a shoulder injury this year, how do we know that he didn't? Like, I mean, it, it's hard to hide that stuff in, in this day and age with the media, with social media. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard to hide an injury. for. You can hide it maybe for a month or two, but at some point something usually comes out. Um, what if it and, just bothered you all season and you never really let it heal right because Joey Votto is the type of player that 
it could have been like that, but that would scare me too because he's not at an age where he's going to heal well. It could bother him for the rest of his career for all we know if he has something. It could, but I'm going to – yes. So we – I'm sure we both have relevant points. I just don't see the 284 being a problem. I see that, that it's going down. I notice it. A number in its own is not a problem. The fact that it dropped as much as it did is a red flag. It's a red flag. It's definitely a red flag of age. Age. Yeah, and unfortunately, age does matter in uh, professional sports. But fantasy? Later on tonight, Feral Fantasy Baseball, 9 p.m., football with Chris and Oh, wait. Don't we have – we don't have someone coming on right now? No, we don't. But one more thing we wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, Came out – I read it today that the Cardinals are interested in adding Mike Moustakis. I also heard that they made a competitive offer to Josh Donaldson before he ended up signing with the Braves. They may have, they may have, um, they may have, that may may be a blessing in disguise for them. Because as good as Josh Donaldson can be, $23 million is a lot of money for a team like St. Louis who doesn't like to spend that kind of money in free agency. Mike Moustakis, is he as good as Josh Donaldson when Josh Donaldson is on his game? No. But Mike Moustakis is very consistent, very steady. Good clubhouse guy, playoff performer. I think he'd be a great fit in St. Louis. Okay, so St. Louis, I don't think – first of all, I'm very surprised that Josh Donaldson signed – I mean, I know he didn't have a great season last year, but $23 million, a one-year contract, I would have loved to have signed him. I think any team can afford him. The St. Louis Cardinals can afford him. They are obviously rebuilding, and, but, and I think that their fans are actually, like, starting to get used to the rebuilding thing, but then you got guys like Matt Carpenter, and you have, you know – I just think that, <laughs> yes, he's a good, he was a good fit, Donaldson. I don't think it would have been a horrible signing if they did get him. The Cardinals are going to make splashes, so I'm not surprised by in any way that their name comes up in a lot of conversations. I do like Mike Moustakas. I think he's probably, obviously his, his value last year was a little high, but didn't he like enter the season without a team? Because that's how many big heavy- he entered, Yeah, He entered the year without a team, ended up going back to the Royals, was fairly solid, and he ended up being great for the Brewers, too. I mean, this guy, very quietly, and until I looked at it in the offseason when the season was over, I would have never known that Mike Moustakis had 95 RBIs last year. Never in a million years would I have guessed that. Did, I know you, he's, he's a good player. How about Hanniger? Does Hanniger have that or no? I have no idea. Well, let me check. But Moustakis last year, between two teams, switching leagues, which we know can be very difficult, still had 28 homers and 95 RBIs. He hit 250. That's fine. He's a career 251 hitter. So he hit 251 together last year. At least he's consistently average when it comes to um, his batting average. But this is a guy that drives and runs, can hit home runs. He's not the best defender at third base, but he is a significant upgrade to anything they've been using at third base, not just defensively, but overall. I think Jed Jorko has mostly been playing some third base for them. I would take Moustakas over Jed Jorko 11 times out of 10. I think if I remember right, Jed Jorko has more at-bats than any other Cardinal. Um, in the last four or five years, he, that that was interesting to me. He's really bad against right-handed hitters, right? He doesn't hit right. He didn't hit righties. Okay, this is. Oh, look at how good he's gotten. Let me see this. Two sixty and two forty-seven. I'm not. This is not good. But he's good as far as learning how to hit righties because he was really bad. Uh, he used to hit two twenty-nine against righties and two eighty-six against lefties, and then he's just 
that wasn't the case with him. There was something about Moustakas that made me crazy last year, and I couldn't figure it out, and I did not trust him to do this again, what he did. Um, I can't remember what it was, though, and I can't see it. Like, just looking at his stats, I can't see it. It was some kind of stat that said this guy is just too lucky, maybe. What the hell was it? It was a good one, too. I really want to remember it right now. It was a good tidbit, but it didn't work out, so it's not true. Um, Jorko hits really well against the um, against the Padres, his former team. I was talking about Mustakis. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying Jorko oh. hits good versus lefties. With regards to Mustakis, um, he hits okay, pretty bad against both, but not horrible. Yeah, I mean he's definitely better. Um, his strikeout he's been, better, he's been better in his, in the past versus right, but actually last year he actually hit for a better average versus lefties. He doesn't strike out hardly much at all. He very rarely strikes out, so that's good. He walks, he he walks a decent amount, which is also good. So why is his batting average so bad if he doesn't strike out and he doesn't walk, or any walks? How is his batting probably, average? Probably so probably hits a lot of fly balls. Oh, okay. Well, you hit, I mean, I guess a lot, a major league, I mean, unless you're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, a fly ball's an out. It's not, you know, in, in the big leagues. Um, so that that's probably why. I mean, I, I'm not looking at his ground ball, fly ball percentage. So yeah, well, you pull that up and you can check it I'm out. That, that would be good. I'm but doing it. He's, uh, he's not, I mean, that's probably why his batting average is so low because you're right. He does put the bat on the ball, but probably hits a lot of lazy fly balls. Is he as um, good as um, Kyle Seeger? Is he better than I, Kyle Seeger? I, th I think he's better than Kyle Seeger. Oh. I think he's better than Kyle Seeger. Um, I also, again, Let's compare I know, yeah, I know you have to get to the, the playoffs in order for your playoff um, success and experience to matter. But when you're talking about a contending team like the St. Louis Cardinals who could get back to the postseason in all in in theory um i would say that um adding a guy like moustakis for that type of team for a team that's going to be in a playoff race in august and september and hopefully get into the playoffs that's the kind of thing that does make a difference am i going to say the brewers got to the playoffs and got as far as they did simply because mike moustakis of course not but it definitely helped having that type of guy having him and kane last year for the brewers guys who have been in the um, guys who have been in the postseason, guys who have been in those races, I think that had a big impact on a team like the Brewers, who outside of those guys didn't have very much playoff experience at all. All right, so you might be right about Mustakas being better than Seager. You just might be right about this. And, I mean, in a lot, I think the only one that I've seen that Seager's because I'm doing comparisons and fan graphs. You know, I like to compare graphs and I like to look at all the stats, and I just look here trying to find a way to prove you wrong but it's not working out for me so i will just go ahead and say this you were right about kyle seager not being one of the top 15 third basemen in baseball okay but i have to be right about something too can i get well please? i appreciate i appreciate you i appreciate you, you saying that can i be right about anything today please just give me something yeah, sure. Okay, um, let's come up with something. It might take a while today. You said something, <laughs> you said something about Robinson Snow being good <laughs> over a full season, and I agree with that. True. True that. Okay, then I we're even. Then We're both right. Um, that'll, I guess that'll wrap things up for tonight because Andy and I, and I have been on for about an hour. We have a show coming up 9 p.m. Eastern with uh, – 
feral fantasy baseball. So wait a minute, I have a story. Chris, Andrea is about to give you a story, but just a reminder that Andrea and I will be back talking more baseball on Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, but let's hear your story. I think that I should not try to tell stories right when you're doing the advertising for the other shows because that has to be just the rudest shit ever. I'll just talk over you. I don't really care. I'll just talk right over you. Okay, I'm just, yeah, I apologize. So, all right, I'll just keep working on making myself better at the things that I pretty much suck at. Here's the story, okay? Here's the story. I tell Lou today that he's going to lead the show, and he says, okay, good, then we're going to actually do the breaks right. And that's true. I don't really try that hard to do them, and I'm not a very good example. But I think that definitely you do a good job, and everybody else at the channel is doing a great job at reading these ads. But so... I'm reading that we have a we share a document where we take notes and we write down just topics that we come across throughout the day and we share this document. So I'm in there looking at the document and I see at the bottom it says that are like I don't remember the exact words, but I think I might have it and it's worth just checking to see if I do because it's pretty funny. I might have gone. We want to keep the show under an hour, like 40 to 50 minutes is what what that's his note. So I see this at the bottom and I'm thinking. And then I start writing in there because he has, if time permits, right, if if time permits, which is what Lenny would love to see because he always has something back up just in case you run out of things to talk about. But, I mean, Lenny would love to see that. If time permits, we're going to talk about the DH in both leagues. Do we like pitchers hitting? We talk about the payrolls of these teams. And I just start writing like there's no effing way that we're going to get through all of this. So I can't even – What's up with the want to keep the show to under an hour, 40 to 50 minutes? What's up with that? Well, I feel I, I feel like most of the other shows are are like that. I try and do that on my solo shows. So I figured, hey, let's try and keep it to 40, 50 minutes. And also, knowing that if we're aiming for an hour, we usually go an hour and 20 minutes. If we aim for 40, we might actually get it done in an hour. Well, that that makes a lot of sense to me. See, that does. It's kind of like me well, setting I'm, my clock ahead. It doesn't. I was, I was about to say, I'm kind of taking it out of your book, specifically. You set your clock an hour ahead, so you can't be late for anything. Um, but it never that, works, that dude. Kind of, that was kind of my plan. All it does is confuse me more because I tell somebody today at five o at six o two that it's five o two, and my clock says seven o two. So I have no clue what time it is. I have no clue. It gets so dark so early now at 4.30. It's making me feel like it's 10 o'clock at night. It's pitch black. Really good. See you later, uh, dude. According to AA, Andrea shows usually average about an hour and 32 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And people listen to them. So well, they definitely listen. I'm not sure they get through an hour and 32 minutes of it. I honestly don't even if know they if they do. Listen. If they do, they are special. I mean, the fact that Chacha and Double A have been here since the get-go. They have tonight. nothing to do. Okay, they have nothing to do. So I'm not taking that as like some well, kind of. Don't don't make fun of them when I'm when when they're the only people that stay here from start to finish. I'm yeah. just saying, if you had something That's to. Back. They're not the only people. Lenny stays, Roto Lady stays, Andrea Sox fan stays. <laughs> Roto Lady, yeah, Roto Lady and Andrea stay the whole time. All this right. shit's getting cut off. That's it. I'm cutting it yeah. out. So thankfully you have it because you can edit it. I have no idea how to do any of that. I might, I might have, I might have some talents, but editing is not one of them. We have um, fantasy, feral fantasy baseball coming up, nine o'clock. And after that, we have Easy, which I pushed back like 30 minutes, but I didn't think that Easy would mind. Cause he's- I also saw my boy uh, Strome is, is going to be doing his show on Thursdays right after Lenny now. 
I love it. Mike Stromey, he's going to do yeah. um, the, the coffee offside penalty. He used to do that on my network, uh, talked a lot of gambling stuff. They're very fun. Stromey could do anything. I told him. You, he, he asked me questions like, can I do my show on Wednesday at 2 o'clock? You know, Stromey, you could do anything you want. I go there, it's not even open at Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and he didn't really want Wednesday anyway. He actually asked me for Thursday, and I heard Wednesday. Can you imagine? Well, I think he picked a good time, because anytime you're following Lenny, um, you're going to have lots of people in the chat room. I mean, I, get, I agree 100%. Just joking. It's not my problem. I don't have a problem. Okay, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs>